0: Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your benevolent hand upon each and every one of us. Remind us tonight, Lord, of your wonderful goodness and mercy, your long suffering, your kindness, your goodness your love father we ask you in jesus name that you may speak to each and every one of us i'm not here father to dispense but i'm also here to receive from you father may you touch those that are here who are going through grief who are going through stress who are going through some head trips or whatever it would be I ask you that right now that you make that you would just make yourself real, manifest yourself right now. We pray for Skip, wherever he's at, bless him, anoint, watch over him. As we pray for every pastor, every deacon, every leader here in the city of Albuquerque. We thank you now, may you open and lighten our eyes so that we can see what you have for us. May you open the eyes of our understanding And as we pray for our men and women in uniform, especially those in harm's way in Afghanistan and Iraq, be with them, protect them, watch over them, and Lord, bring them home soon. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's name we pray. And we say, Amen. 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 Open your Bibles, please, to Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 19 to 26. I've entitled this message, Cash... Will guide you to heaven. Now, nah, now, nah, don't freak out on me. <laughs> that is an acronym. The acronym stands for confidence, assurance, security, and hope. And those are four elements that you and I need in order for us to assure us in our heart as we travail in this thing called life. Life. Life is not easy. You know that. I know that. You say, well, if I was only rich and wealthy, that will accommodate me. Well, it can accommodate you to a certain extent. But you cannot get confidence, assurance, security, and hope with just money. Because the Bible says, there is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. How much is your mental health worth? How much is your emotional balance worth? How much is your psychological sanity worth? For many people, it's a slavery. And they have psychological dramas, they have crisis. I just found out that there's not only a midlife crisis, but there's also a quarter life crisis now. (laughs) I'm serious, anybody heard of that yet? quarter life. Listen, are you in your mid to late 20s and still living with your parents? <laughs> Did you spend four or five years at a university and wind up thousands of dollars in debt working at a job that you can't imagine going back tomorrow, let alone for the rest of your life? Are you all of, are all of your friends starting to settle down, get married, buy homes and have kids? And finally, does all of the above really freak you out? If you answer yes to these questions, you could be suffering from quarter-life crisis. (laughs) Seriously. And there are people who are going, I know, heard of mid-life crisis. But I don't think it's middle-life crisis per se. I think there are crises in our life as soon as you turn into an adult. As soon as you realize that life, that, you know, once they go out of your house, your children, because everything's for free for them. Everything. They think toilet paper is free. They think toothpaste is free. Because it's always there. Go get money, daddy. Daddy doesn't have any money. Yeah, just go to the wall and push the buttons. And you know, no, 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 it doesn't work. Well, it does work for a lot of people. Yes, but they have to have chum chains inside before they get it. What is that? Never mind. But as they get older, they realize that life has a lot of crisis. You know, if, if I was a medical doctor and I was a Christian doctor, and let me, let me share with you why, okay? Paul the Apostle is writing, anybody Bible students, Paul is writing from where? From where? Prison. prison. Now, I like that word, prison. <laughs> not, not apprehension. Prison. <laughs> now, he, he, he's not in like an accounting facility. Or a state facility where you have dental care, optical care, medical care, three (laughs) meals. We're not talking about that. He is in a dungeon. A place where you can get depressed. People find religion in the military. We call it fossil religion. We can find religion too. We call Jehovah's religion. But Paul's already a Christian. He's there in prison because he's preaching the gospel. He has committed no crime. He's a victim of circumstances. And because he's a representative of the gospel, he is busted, can't be trusted. However, what has he done? He could have told Jesus, Lord, you mean you call me to ministry? And here I am, and I'm about to be decapitated? For those of you who know the decapitation, it just means when your head comes off. <laughs> no, because I say at, my, at our church, you know, the, you know we have, we're learning English as we go. You know what I mean? <laughs> One time I was, we, 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 used to have, we used to have four morning services. And, and, and so I was exhausted one day and I was feeling uh, uh, pains in my chest. And more, that, more about that in a minute. And, and so I, 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 after I finished, I, I told one of our assistants, take me to the hospital. For what? Just rush me right now. You're kidding. <laughs> take me now, man. <laughs> he rushed me and I said, go through the red light. Don't matter, man. And, it's, you know, so we went and they took, I rushed in and I'm, and I'm saying, I can't breathe. Something's happening here. Something is going on. So right away, you know, they strapped you. They put the machine on. They put sublingual medicine. They put a They strapped you and they shaved you. <laughs> and they keep you there. And, and so they freaked out. And, and so they kept me overnight. And he said, no, sir, what's going on is that you're going through stress. It's just a stress factor. Your heart's right. Your EKG is right. uh, Everything's right. Everything's cool. Take a deep breath and blah, blah, blah. (sighs) That was cool, right? And and so I went to church and they told me, uh, the doctor said, you you probably had just a, a short angina process. And so I said that at church. I said, I just suffered to a small angina. And so after service... Ladies and guys were waiting for me. You have no respect for the pulpit. You know, you shouldn't say things like that. I just said, uh, I told my assistant pastor, could you get her Webster dictionary, please? Go get the book of Daniel, Daniel Webster's, please, and show her. And so I'm telling you, decapitation, I just don't want you to be freaked out. And so here's Paul getting ready to be decapitated. He's done nothing wrong. And yet he writes to the Philippians. And when you read the book of Philippians, it it, it diffuses such fragrance of joy. Diffuses fragrance of security. Here's Paul writing to the Philippians. People, they're outside. He's in jail. And he writes to Rejoice again, I say rejoice. I am more than confident that what I'm going through, God would see me through the end. Rejoice. Okay. Either this guy is delusional. Either this guy took a hit of something that he wasn't supposed to. Or he knows something inside his heart that allows him to sing in dark places. I believe it's the latter. Paul possessed something inside that I wish that one day in my earthly life that I can possess the same thing. Because I've been to dark stages of my life as a Christian and non-Christian. But they're worse as a Christian because you realize, God, where are you at? If you're supposed to be for me, why aren't you with me? I've been praying and it seems like the, like the skies are brass. You cannot even hear me. And then you, you start getting tired and fatigued. And you get, it, you, you get to the place where you realize, you say, I don't think God's listening to me. Am I talking to anybody? I've done that. I, I, I just went to my fifth one. I've been a Christian for 31 years. And I thought I was over it. But you see, there comes a time in our life And I believe they come in stages. And I believe, like James says, is to test your faith. Going back, if I was a doctor, and if I was a Christian doctor, a born-again Christian doctor, of the Holy Spirit doctor, gospel-believing doctor, Calvary Chapel doctor, I think I would have the right diagnosis all i have to do is listen to the patient talk and i can tell what's going on let me tell you why 94% of all clinical visits have, have to do or related to stress stress okay Now, the medical doctors in California, I don't know about here, but the medical care in California, it it, it is an assembly line. They got to see you real fast. And so when you tell the doctor, doctor, I think I'm constipated. (laughs) Because those are one of the symptoms of stress. The other is that you have visceral symptoms. Symptoms. Something is wrong with the stomach. Or you have pain. Or you have shortness of breath. Or you have anxiety. Now, there is organic problems. You understand that. We do have organic problems. What I mean organic, you're born with a deficiency. Sometimes we have organic mental imbalance. What we call neurotransmitters uh, uh, are not working properly. You're an eight-cylinder car, you only have two cylinders going. <laughs> and it's not your fault. It's that your neurotransmitters, you know, they're supposed to be communicating with your serotonin. They're supposed to be communicating. And when they don't communicate, they get angry at each other. And they don't talk to each other, they're in your brain. <laughs> and just because they don't want to talk, guess what happens? You're going, what happened? What happened? And so there are people, they do have a problem. They do have chemical imbalance. However, the same symptoms happen when people have a defiled conscience. When there's unconfessed sin. Look at Psalm 38, Psalm 32, Psalm 51. David said, Lord, when I get my sin hidden from you, your hand was heavy upon my wear, On my chest. Of course, it's poetical stuff. It wasn't God wrestling with David. It was poetical. I feel something in here because he was lying through his teeth. Now, sin does that. There are other symptoms that I share with you. They are organic. Someone loses a loved one. You go through grief and you go through anxiety. You go through pain. Other people, they go through perhaps divorce, or speaking about divorce, or they go through financial bankruptcy. We're talking about foreclosure. We're talking about people that are going through marital havoc. You have a child on drugs or alcohol, and your whole world is collapsing. It's not because you don't have any faith, because you live in this world. There isn't anybody, look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah was one of those guys. He was really nuts. He, at on one point, he was said, he will say, "Praise the Lord, you're so wonderful." And he, in the same verse, he says, "Why was I born? Oh, I wish you were. I wish I was born dead." <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> What's going on? Well, now Paul the apostle could have gone through a personal situation. He's going through crisis, but there's no mention of him. Hey, I'm busted, man. Please, someone come and visit me. The food here is messed up, man. (laughs) Not a word, he's encouraging people. And so what he has, he has 10 things. They have nothing to do with credentials, rank and position in society doesn't have anything to do with wealth. It doesn't have nothing to do with the hookup. Who you know and what you know has nothing to do with that. Because there are people that I know personally, that are wealthy, but money can buy love. They got money, and they can buy the best mattress in the world, but they cannot buy sleep. Do you understand that? There are people, many of you here perhaps tonight, you're saying, but Pancho, I have not sinned. Why am I feeling this way? I don't know. <laughs> but just in this experience in the plane can cause stress. Dude, we're sitting down. I mean, they were taking a drink. What not you like, oh, I'd like to get some, oh, I'd like some uh, club soda, please. Um, we're ready we to go. And we stop. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, uh, we gotta put here. What? Yeah, you gotta get your belongings. Get out. Go to get this. Go get. What? Oh no! Why? 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 Oh, come on, Millie, pick up your stuff like that. Pick up your stuff. Hurry up! Hurry up! Come on! Come Oh, I'm gonna be late. I'm getting stressed out. And I have to learn, I have to get my notes out for me. Mellow out, dude. Mellow out. So, as I read this portion of scripture, as I read this portion of scripture, notice what Paul has. Bible students trip out. Look, look, look at what he's saying. He's not saying, hey, you know what, man? I'm happy, man, because, man, I got $10,000 in my pocket. Dude, he goes, my lawyer, man, he got a good, now he got good witnesses now. No. Look what he says. We'll pick it up in verse 9, okay? So it can be in context. In verse 9 of chapter 1 of Philippians. In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That you, Philippians, may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Verse 12. But I want you to know, my brethren... That the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, the key word is that thing. What thing? I'm in jail. That thing. Verse 13. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains or my imprisonment are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my imprisonment, but the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. Question, what then? Well, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Twice, twice. The emphasis, he says, listen, there are sincere people. There are preaching Christ for the right motives. There are others preaching Christ because they're whacked out. They want to get their name out there or they want to make money. The gospel goes, listen, I don't appreciate them, but but so what? He says, as long as the word of God is spread out, I am going to rejoice. Yes, I am going to rejoice. Now notice and we go to our text, verse 19. Okay, see, if you pick up the 10 things that he possesses. In order for him to have cash, he has confidence, assurance, security, and hope. See if you can have that. See if you can pick him out, all right? Okay, here we go. Verse 19. For I know that this, what is this? Well, the crisis I'm in, I'm in prison. Impossible death, possible execution, even though I'm innocent. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I should be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, for me or for to me to live live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, if I continue living in this world, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. Why, Paul? For I'm hard pressed. I have I have a, a, a decision to make because both ideas are good. I'm hard pressed between the two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is what? Okay, underline that. He says, I don't know what to do. Should I die? How should I stay here in Albuquerque? Hmm. You know, I really want to stay in Albuquerque, you know, because it's more fruit for my labor and fellowship with you. But uh, I want to die. Why? Because because when I die, it's gain. And uh, being with Jesus is far better. But you know what? Whatever the Lord has, I told you, either the guy's hitting the pipe, Oh, he knows something. Obviously, you and I know he possesses something that you and I need to possess. And he says this. Nevertheless, verse 24, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that you're rejoicing for me, may be more abundant in Christ Jesus by my coming to you again. So what did you pick up? Okay, time does not permit us to see if you're right or wrong. But the number one thing that I see, he says in verse 19, this situation will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer. Your prayer. Christians are lazy when it comes to prayer. Our church is learning how to pray, man. We've been, we've been together for 15 years only. I'm the founding pastor, and, and, but we're learning how to pray. I even have to warn him. I said, next week, we're not going to have a study because I feel the Lord impress upon me that we need to just come before the Lord, pray for our nation, pray for our communities, pray for your parents, pray for your children, your grandchildren, pray, and pray for the next president. In the name of Jesus, let's pray for the president. Let's sit down and let's pray together. And that's what happened. And so I said, okay, they're not going to show up because I warned them already on that Sunday before. Uh Uh-uh. We were overflow. Overflow. And we cried out. I heard moms praying for their children. I heard parents praying for their grandmas and grandpas that are ready to bury them. We are praying for young adults seeking marriage, crying out for a woman. One man said, would you please pray for me, Pastor Poncho? He was crying. Please pray for me. Sure, sure. He's 26 years old. I said, sure. And, you know, he's grieving. And I'm thinking, Grandpa, Grandma. And then I asked him sincerely. I said, what can I pray for you? <laughs> my, my, my My dog is missing. Oh, you laughed. You, you, you couldn't laugh at that time. It was very sobering. You see, that dog has been his friend for 14 years. When he was 12 years old, he had that dog. He went to Mexico to an orphanage to minister because he says, I haven't involved in ministry. I want to get involved in ministry. And I tell people, listen, the moment you get involved in ministry, all hell is going to break loose. Because if you're inactive in the kingdom of God, Satan is not going to go after you. You're a messed up already. Satan's not going to go after you. Look, they don't go to church. They come whenever they want to. Ah, oh, they're messed up. or Don't mess with anybody. But the moment you say, honey, you and I, you know, our marriage is not working, honey. And I believe it's because we're departing from God we're walking away in our own ways. We're dealing and wheeling and we're under the table doing things. And I think we should just go back to the house of God, get our life together. And the bells in hell ring. What happened? That dude, man, that dude from the west side, he's woken up. He wants to go to church. And he wants to go to Albuquerque, Calvary Chapel. Not there. Send him 15 demons. And there the attack comes in. And then he's there at the church. And he says, you know, we need someone to get involved. Honey, what do you think? I think we should get involved. 25 more demons. And that's exactly what happened to this young man. He says, I got involved in the orphanage ministry. I went and I ministered. I was so fired out, Pastor Poncho, in serving these kids. And then I came to to my house, and my mom told me that my dog is missing. My heart was broken. Now, if you've ever had any pets before, you understand, don't you? Oh, you do, don't you? How many understand what I'm talking about? Oh, well, back me up, man. Sheesh, I, thought I was the only one. <laughs> Come out of the closet. Tell me the truth, man. I lost two dogs. That's why I don't like to own any more dogs. Both got killed, man, by lowriders, man. <laughs> because my dog likes to go under the car. And he was under a car of a lowrider. And so the guy had the, he had a remote control. He, he watched his car. <laughs> He goes, hey, my car don't go down. <laughs> well, don't go down because you just killed my dog, man. <laughs> All right, forget it, man. So this man was concerned. We had a prayer meeting. What, this, what Paul had, he had prayer. Prayer is oxygen to the lungs and blood to the body. Oxygen is prayer for our soul. You gotta pray. You gotta seek. You gotta adore, you gotta worship, you gotta petition, you gotta supplicate, you gotta ask, just beseek the Lord. That's an English word I learned. You gotta beseek him. That means persistency. Some of us don't have a prayer life. And so when Christ has come, the first thing, prayer, it's out. Okay? What is the second one? He says the supply of the Spirit of Christ. The supply. What's supply? When I said, hey, you know, we have a supply here. That means that we have extra abundance. We have a surplus. That's what it means, a supply. In my day, we used to call it stash. (laughs) If you don't know what that is, God bless you, love you. (laughs) In other words, a supply of the spirit of Jesus. Now think about it. What did Jesus say? When he was on earth, and he was telling his disciples what the Spirit would do. First of all, he says, I will send to you a new comforter. Not a blanket. <laughs> a comforter. Okay? What is the operation? What is the office? What, what is the, 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 the operation and the office of the Holy Spirit? He said, he will guide you in all things. He will tell you what to do. He will tell you of things to come. He will take of me and dispense it to you. That is the work and the operation and the office of the Holy Spirit. Look at Romans chapter 8. When you and I don't even know what to pray and we grunt, you go, oh, what did you pray? But the Holy Spirit goes up into heaven. He said he's bummed out. He's tired. He can't hang anymore. Oh, you think I'm kidding. You haven't read your Bible then. That's what Romans 8, that's what it says. And then you get to the big old this wonderful scripture that we all know. Romans 8:28. All things work for good to those who are called of God and love God. And they have a purpose for, of God. See, a lot of people quote that scripture. Don't quote that scripture while people are going through grief. Someone just lost their wife. Two days ago and they're grieving. Well, brother, consider it joy, my brother. All things work for good. He knows that. But he's not able to handle that Christian enlightenment at that time. You better just wait. It's not for you to quote. It's for you, the recipient, to understand that all things work for good. You know what the relaxing measure that I had when they put us on the plate after we're sweating? I said, God saved us. God had a plan. Maybe I would have been in El Paso, Texas, but not at the airport, if you know what I mean. What happened? Well, Southwest Airlines. A leakage. Was it worth going all around? Yeah, it was worth it. God's providence. God's sovereign thing. All things work for good. What's the third thing? There's an earnest expectation. What's an earnest expectation? You ever been to Disneyland? And if you go to Disneyland, watch kids that they've never been... To Disneyland. We're talking about landlocked people. Like people from Oklahoma. <laughs> and you have an eight-year-old kid, a seven-year-old kid, and they're there and they're waiting in line. They, 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 they look like they have to go to the bathroom, and, and, but they're excited, and then once they go to the turnstile, they walk into the land of enchantment and they're freaked out. Oh there's Mickey! There's Minnie! And I feel like saying, ah, they're going to rip you off. <laughs> I live around Disneyland, so it's no big thing. One time, a a cast member was playing with me too much. And you know, they're, not, they're not allowed to talk. And so, it was Chip or Dale. Dale or Chip, I couldn't tell the difference. And, and Chip kept messing with me. I said, okay, 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 okay. okay. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't care who it is, but I'm going to go off on you right now. And why, why, you know, it's okay. And he kept putting his tummy and pushing me like this. And I said, oh, this, oh, wait, wait, this is, this, this is it. Well, it was someone that I knew. I was so angry. I said, man, don't do that. I was this much from going through a flesh flash. Please, man. So that's an earnest expectation. And then he says this. He says, with my earnest expectation and hope. Hope. What, what is hope? Hope is a cherished desire with expectation of fulfillment. To long for with expectation of obtaining something. It's optimism, it's trust, it's confidence and assurance. Hebrews 11, 1, we all know it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But let's turn it around. If you have no hope, you become what? Hopeless. What does that mean? Well, there's no ground for hope. There's desperation incapable of solution, management, or accomplishment, having no expectation of good or success, despairing, inca- incapable of redemption or improvement or despondent. You know, when you and I, if we're fortunate enough, if, if we feel some visceral symptoms, we have uh, shortness of breath, and we, we go to our HMO, in the name of Jesus, you got to pray before you go to HMO. I mean, you they, they pray, man, because those people, woo. You really got to walk like this when you go, hey, can you approve me? Yeah, I can approve you. Well, we can take some medicine. You see, the doctors right away want to give you something to mellow you out. And that's okay. But that's not always the answer. There are people that need it, but there are some people that don't need that. Because all they have to do is confess their sin. What about people that don't have the Lord? First of all, we have over 90 million people that don't have medical care insurance. 40 million or 90 million. Now, they can't go to an HMO. This is part of the problem in our society. They're feeling shorty, of so bread, they're despondent, they're disoriented, they're social maladjustments, they're, they're, they're elements of deceit in the street. So if they're feeling something, they can't go to the hospital this is why you see liquor store after liquor store after liquor store after liquor store and despairing areas. Because they want to drown their sorrow with their all the problems and they cannot handle it. They don't have cash. What I mean, they don't have confidence, assurance, security, and hope. Paul the Apostle says, I have hope and I also have no shame. What is shame? A moral embarrassment. Humiliation, disregard for virtue. Paul says, I don't have that shame. Thomas Watson, a famous Puritan said, blushing is the color of virtue. Jeremiah said, they sin willfully and they don't even blush anymore. And Paul said, I have no shame. I have nothing to condemn me. And he also has boldness. Boldness is not cockiness. Boldness is not being... uh, uh, Superior than another. It just basically means unfailing courage. And then he says, "Christ in me." Jesus said, "Apart from me, you can do what?" And Paul says, "I can do all things through Christ that what strengthens me." It doesn't mean m- m- muscle mass. It doesn't mean you read your Bible and all of a sudden you- you're like tight. No. <laughs> it's moral strength, moral constitution. And sometimes you need courage to trust in God. And then, He doesn't care whether He lives or dies. He said it's all good. Why? Is it crazy? No. You see, He had a He had a a eternity thinking. He's thinking ahead. For me to die, it's gain. If I die, it's better. Many Christians are afraid of dying. I'm afraid of dying. It's not that I'm afraid of dying. It's how I'm going to die. But dying, death is not a monster to the Christian. Death is a minister. Once you die, hey, you enter into eternity. What have we got to fear? Jesus said, don't be afraid of him who can take your life. Be afraid of him who can take your life and destroy your soul. And throw your soul where? In hell. So what can man do to us? And then he had conviction he was he had this calm confidence about him he was he was certain it wasn't uncertainty what about you tonight what about you tonight who do you put your confidence in your money, your job, your earnings, your personal wealth, your savings, your credit cards, your real estate, your precious gems, government, politician, personal beauty, attractiveness, straight teeth, personal physique. You're well connected. You have, you have degrees. You have diplomas. You have sexual conquest or any kind of achievements. What makes you confident? All those things. When it comes down to the nitty gritty. Will not help you. Jesus, we are told. Said. What you and I need in this world is the peace of God and the peace with God. So that you and I will be able to have that comfort. You cannot self-medicate yourself. You cannot do that. You don't know how. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus has everything that you will ever need. Solomon had everything. The hookup, Nation silver chicks a thousand of them yeah everything and yet he cries out vanity of vanity all is vanity why because he knew that thou did not bring any satisfaction to your heart perhaps you here today for us Christians woohoo may you have a wonderful time go get some pizza rejoice you have your children enjoy with your children splurge you may die tomorrow man splurge. And have a good time today. Thank God you're alive. Thank God for the purpose he has in you. No crisis is bad enough where you're going to have to get weird. Have that confidence. Have that joy. Have that assurance. Have that peace. That with God all things are possible. You are the greatest because God lives in us. And because he lives in us, we live through him. And God has a purpose for your life. And us Christians will say amen and amen. 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 But listen, perhaps you're here tonight. Time is not on my side. But if you're here tonight, and you came in thinking, wow, what is this? This Wasn't this was an indoor soccer league? I came here. No, it, it hasn't been for a long time. But perhaps you came in here and said, you know, I want to hear what's going on in there. You came looking and searching. Do you know that seekers, seekers are always, they will always find what they're seeking. If you knock, I shall what if you seek, you shall if you ask you're here tonight you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ whoever you are right now listen, Jesus wants to speak to you and whether you're on the other side, I hope you have speakers on the other side or you're punished I don't know why you're on the other side but it's okay Jesus can go to those walls I don't know what you guys did over here but you're, in Jesus name, you're alright so listen, if you're here tonight, if you want to receive the Lord, i like to pray with you. Wherever you're at right now, just say, Punch, I want to receive the Lord. I want to present myself, and I want you to pray, Pancho, for me, that I need Jesus. Not only do I want to make peace with God, but I want to experience the peace with God. You can never experience the peace of God until you make peace with God.